right, well, good evening. And we are a packed house tonight, Pastor Jim, so if you're watching, everybody's here. Man. Hey, let's go to the Lord in prayer, all right? Father, we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you for that we can meet together and, and open up your word again. God, your word brings life and truth, and Lord, it's filled with your promises. God, we just thank you so much for uh, your precious word. God, we give you praise in, in knowing that uh, you are here with us. We know that your spirit dwells with us. And Lord, we just want to glorify you tonight in all that we do. Thank you, God, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed Brother Matt's sermon this morning, and we're blessed to have him doing it again. In fact, Highland is blessed that we've got Brother Jim and Samantha leading us, and Joanna and Matt also there to, to lead in the youth and for other areas of the church. It's just, we are blessed. So continue to remember them, continue to remember our pastor and the others as they're out uh, at uh, out west. So I pray that you uh, that they all have safe time and safe journeys and uh, that uh, your will be done. Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray, I do pray. But we'd, I'd like for us to sing a story, sing a song about we have a story to tell. So take your hymnals or you can watch on the screen, 586. Join Miss Pat, 586, we've a story to tell. i 
actually have a special music song tonight from Miss Shumara Myers. Come, Miss Shumara, and lead us. Forgotten, you were not hopeless. Though you've been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. darkest night is true I will rescue you there is no distance that cannot be covered over and over you're not defenseless I'll be your shelter I'll be your armor I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. to reach you in the middle of the hardest fight it's true I will rescue you I hear the whisper underneath your breath I hear you whisper you have nothing left 
Thank you, Ms. Shamar, for that wonderful song. God is our rescuer. And it's one of the blessings that we can always hold on to, that he will always rescue us. And he has rescued us from the penalty of sin and death to eternal life with him forever. And so tonight's sermon comes from the book of 1 John. And so just to kind of fill you all in a little bit about 1 John, uh, during before the summer started i had been going through the book of first john with the youth and we got to chapter three so we're kind of on a little pause right now because of summer and we'll pick back up again in the fall but first john has been an interesting and a wonderful uh, convicting a very encouraging letter to study through and work through and there's so much in there that uh when it comes to who Jesus is, the importance of knowing Jesus and knowing his deity and, and, and why he was here and why he came, it's, it's foundational, to say the least. And so when we look at the book of 1 John, he also talks about what is to come and what has come. And so if you have with me, go to 1 John chapter 2, turn your Bibles there, and if you would stand with me as we pray and then read the word of God. Father, we thank you that we can be here together to open up your word. God, we pray as we listen and we uh, read your word, Father, that we would uh, just gain insight in the truth, that it speaks to our hearts, to our minds, that, Father, we would be reminded of, of how much you love us and care for us. God, we know that uh, your word is important, and God, we know that your word is necessary, especially for the world today. May we be faithful in keeping it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. Thank you. You may be seated. And so here in 1 John, as we get into chapter 2, uh, to give you a little bit of history of what he's wrote about a little bit already. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, John is out to defend who Jesus is. He defends his deity and his life. Because we have those in 1 John who were saying that Jesus uh, is not who you think he is. And so Jesus is important because John, being one of the original 12 disciples... He is arguing against the false teachers who are saying this Jesus guy isn't someone that is who he fully is. Because the Gnostics at the time were spreading false gospels and saying that in order to uh, know and have salvation, that it's not necessarily through this man Jesus, but it's through a special knowledge that you can, be, you can receive. And it's not through who uh, Jesus Christ. And so he goes on to show us that 
we know the truth of God and we know that we are and have eternal life because if we love God, we obey his commands out of our love for him. And then also we have fellowship with God in, chapter, in verses 5 through 10. And in verse 10, you've heard, and 9 and 10, you heard this before. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned to make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, there were those who believed they have come to a, a place in life where they, had, they could sin no more. And so I don't think any of us here would ever say that. I think we probably have a problem that, that we, have, we sin daily. And we are daily needing to confess those things to the Lord. Paul, not Paul, but John John speaks to the church in such a way that they are special to him by calling them his children. He calls them his friends because he's an intimate connection that he is one, like Paul was with Timothy and Titus, he is the spiritual father to those that he's writing to. And so he is now warning them of the false teachers who have the spirit of the Antichrist. So that brings us to our first point. And in verse 19, we read 18 already. It says that they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belonged to us. So the Antichrist will redefine and attack the name of Christ. We see in verses 18 through 19. The word Antichrist, it means to stand against Christ or in place of Christ. The Messiah, and those are the enemies of Christ. Verse eighteen, when he, when when John references, it is the last hour. You got to think about this for a minute, because when John wrote this, it was over two thousand years ago, right? This phrase signifies the entire period of the time between the first and second comings of Christ. This hour refers to the second return of Christ, not a specific time such as we have with church starting at ten a.m. or ten p.m., but Time is in an epoch. More broadly, biblical history can be divided into two periods, roughly following the division of the Old and New Testaments. We have the age of the law, creation, going up to the ascension of Christ. And then from the start of the church, the church age, from the church age to the return of Christ. And so in this last hour, John refers to the Antichrist both as a singular and as a plural. And so we will know that the Antichrist is on its way because of the many false teachers that John refers to as the Antichrist because they preach about a false Christ. And so from John's words in verse 19, we see that there has been many who have left the church. And they, are, they have in verse 19 that we see that there are many Antichrists that have come. The Antichrist will be an individual person as well. It says in Revelation 13, uh, chapter 13, verses 2 through 4, that his power and his throne and, great, and he will have great authority and that nations will worship him as God. And so when will he come? Is he alive now? I don't know. Some believe he is. Some say he's been alive for a, a significant period of time. But the truth is, it's not for us to speculate, but look at what we do know. We do know that he will come and the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well. Dr. David Allen, who was a professor where I went to seminary, wrote this in his commentary. He said, as the gospel spreads, so will false teaching. 
As Christ's missionaries go out to the nation, so will Satan's missionaries called Antichrist. We are engaged in a global conflict for the souls of men. Interestingly, there could be no Antichrist if there was not a true Christ. Even there, they are coming in, a, in as a witness concerning his coming. The fact that there are Antichrists points to the fact that there is a true Christ. And so the Antichrist get their start from within the church. Look at again at verse 19. This is also a sign of a false teacher John shows us. Again, verse 19 tells us they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. John says they were among us at one time, but they went out and they did not belong. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. So just because they proclaim to know Christ doesn't mean they are of Christ. A false teacher departs from the fellowship of the church to create what they believe to be the true church. This has been the case many times throughout history. God appears to someone or some reason the church has gotten off track, and so it needs to be rescued by a Savior, is what they say. The Savior isn't God, but a man or a woman who has received some special revelation. To name a few, Jim Jones, Joseph Smith, Charles Russell. Joseph Smith was the founder of Mormonism, who believed that an angel appeared to him to fix the church. Because Joseph Smith had an issue with, with there being so many denominations. And so he wanted to be a part of, church, of a church, but instead of finding which church to be a part of, he assumed that God appeared to him, and in doing so, created a whole other church. Charles Russell and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Right living and wrong doctrine don't work together. And so Joseph Smith, and, and, and if you ever had a Mormon come to your door, they're very polite. They're kind. They have good intentions. They believe what they're teaching is the true gospel. They may be very sincere. They even may have good morals. But, as I said, right living and wrong doctrine don't work together. Just because a person may live right and being morally responsible but have a false doctrine points to the fact that we can't be saved by how good we are. We then make salvation about us instead of Jesus. If the Bible says, and it does, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that, that, the, that salvation is a gift of God, that it's not by our works, then we can never do enough good works to earn our way into heaven. So, why don't Antichrist remain in the fellowship of the church? Why do true believers remain in the fellowship with the church? The Antichrist do not remain in fellowship because they are not true believers. They have never truly trusted Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And true believers remain in the fellowship. Why? Because they desire and they walk with and they obey and follow the Lord's commands. Our second point in verses 20 through 23 is this. The Antichrist will never say that Jesus is the only Christ. Look at 20 through 23 with me. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar 
if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. The, this one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. To say that Jesus is the Christ would require the Antichrist to speak truth. And truth is not a characteristic of the Antichrist. The only purpose of the Antichrist is to deceive and to lead those astray to following their own beliefs, not the word of God. Deception, lies, greed, power are more in line with who the Antichrist is. John tells us that believers have an anointing from the Holy One. What is the anointing? Well, David, David Allen again says that the Holy Spirit, the anointing is the gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells all believers. You don't have to seek an anointing. You already have it. You don't have to get some second portion of the Holy Spirit or second blessing of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, you have all the Holy Spirit that you, will, you are ever going to have in terms of his indwelling in your life. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13 is the evidence of this. And so, if you would turn with me real quickly to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says this. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. The Holy Spirit is the anointing that we receive when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior at the very moment we place and have confession in him. Again, John clearly says his purpose of why he's writing this in verse 21. He says, I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because you do know the truth, you need to also be careful of those who are spreading lies. John is writing to them because they know the truth already of who Jesus is, and they don't need to receive any special knowledge that the Gnostics are claiming they have. Because the Gnostics at the time proclaimed to have this special knowledge, as I said earlier, in order for them to gain special revelation, in order to gain eternity into heaven. That it was special knowledge that got you special privileges or a special connection with God. John says the liar is the one who denies Jesus is the Christ. To deny this truth is to reject who Jesus is. Those who have led Gnostic movements often see themselves as the one God has chosen to be the Messiah or the one who will complete the work of God. And if you were to go on Google and you were to type in false messiahs, you would get a list of people people you've never even heard of, perhaps. John makes it simple in verse 23. You deny Jesus, and you, then you don't know God. You can't know God if you deny who Jesus is. If you know Jesus, then you know God, and you have a relationship with him. That's why back in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, what was from the beginning and what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes and what we have observed have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified and declared to you 
that the eternal, eternal life that was with the Father was revealed to us. And what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things that our joy may be complete. So in verse 1, John, the disciple, defends Jesus' deity and knowing that he has been with them. Verse 2 defends the life of Jesus, of why he came, to bring about eternal life. And so, here, in verse 23, again, John re- pretty much reinstates what he said in verses 1 through 4, that to deny the Son, you can't know God. In order to know God, you must know the Son. If you know Jesus, then you know God you have a relationship with him doctrinally how can we identify the spirit of the antichrist it's if they deny who jesus is if they deny who jesus is and who scripture what scripture teaches about who he is and who he proclaimed to be then we know they are not of god the third point is this in verses 24 through 27 It says, the anointing guards you from spiritual deception as you remain in him. Read with me. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you received, remember that's the Holy Spirit, from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. John again refers to Jesus' words. If you abide in me, I will abide in you. From the Gospel of John, chapter 2, 6. John told us the one who remains in him should walk just as he had walked. Following Jesus is a lifestyle of what we do and say. It's not part of a club. It's a lifestyle. Following Jesus is not something that we make it a temporary or occasionally thing. But it's something we are to strive to do each and every day. It affects how we live our life, the decisions we make. If the truth you know about Jesus is real in your life and you have been saved, then because of your faith in him, you are promised what he offers you, eternal life. Heaven or hell. As I shared with my VBS class this past week, I shared with them, it's 100%. And I asked them, do you know what, a, what is guaranteed? What is 100%? And I tried to let them figure it out. I told them no, and I was letting the suspense build, and they were just having a hard time and really wanting to know. It's 100% that everyone is going to die at some time. But also it's 100% that if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will spend an eternity with him in heaven. Every single person that has ever lived will spend an eternity in one or two places. Heaven is the gift of God. Hell is the judgment of God. Those who are out to deceive will try to cause you to turn against the truth you know. There isn't a new truth to learn unless you haven't received the truth. Jesus. 
The anointing you have been given, the Holy Spirit will teach you and guard you in truth so that you will remain in him and you are grounded in the truth of God, reading the truth of God and believing in the truth of God. If you go to in John chapter 2, verse 5, I don't have the slide up there, but sorry, go back to verse 4. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar. and The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know that we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. And again, to walk as he walked signifies a pattern of behavior. And so in verse 1, in chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, we have to ask ourselves, are we following and keeping his commands? Well, no, we mess up. We talked about this morning that we have to live by grace. And God understands that we're going to mess up. So does that mean that because I can't keep his commands that I don't love God? No. The point is that you're trying to and you're striving to. Because if if that's the case, then what John said before in chapter 1, verse 8, that if we confess our sins, sorry, verse 9, if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins. See, that's why verse 9 and 10 are so important. Because we're going to mess up when trying to keep the commands of God. But yet it's us trying and striving and keep pushing at it and and living a lifestyle that shows that we are trying to do our best to keep those commands to love God. And that's why we need to daily confess. James tells us that, that confession brings healing. And so in doing so, we know that when we do confess that we are forgiven... And that we, when we are walking in obedience to the Lord, it is also assurance of our salvation. And in doing so, in assurance and having that assurance of our salvation, we know what the truth of God is. That we need him. That that we are in desperate need of his grace. And that any other gospel that we hear that is either Jesus plus works or Jesus plus something else is a false gospel. Jesus is the Messiah who came to die on the cross for our sins, to die and rise again so that we may be forgiven and that we would share in the victory over sin and death. Before I show you this video, I want you to kind of know a little bit about it. And I showed this to the students, and they were really blown away. But with those in this room, you are a lot more familiar with, as I mentioned, some of the people before, Jim Jones, uh, I didn't mention his name this time, but David Koresh. And, and there was even uh, another guy I, we had talked about, and I forgot his name already, but it doesn't matter. And, and we talked about um, Joseph Smith and some of these other false prophets. This guy is the most recent that I know of who has come out to proclaim to be Jesus. He's a guy that lives in Australia, and he's an antichrist. And I'm sure there's some here in America but this is one that I think is pretty scary in the sense of not scary, not scared of him, but just what he's, the, the deception he is spreading. And so watch this video real quick, and then we'll close shortly after it.
AJ, are you claiming, as reported in the media, at your public seminars and on the Divine Truth website, that you are Jesus from the first century? Yes, that's exactly what I am claiming, that I am Jesus from the first century, that I've had a single life, a life that began in the first century and, uh, and ends currently at present, which is uh, today, uh, the 30th, I think it is today, the 30th of October 2012. But um, the reality is that I've had a life that entire time, so I don't claim that I am the reincarnation of somebody who existed 2,000 years ago, but rather somebody who has existed for 2,000 years. Well, my answer to that question is exactly the same way that anybody would know that they are the person they claim to be. And that is that you have a series of memories that describe your entire life from the time shortly after you were born to your present time. And for me, it's exactly the same thing. I have a series of memories. It's just a longer series of memories than the average person has that goes on for a 2000 year period from the time shortly after my birth that I remember in the first century right the way through until today. And so, for me, the way, the way that I know that I'm Jesus, I have a memory of that entire life. Uh, for anybody else looking at me, well, that's different because they don't know what I remember. And most people have never questioned me about what I remember. And so, of course, it's a very different way of analysing whether I'm Jesus or not if you're looking from an observer's perspective. But from my perspective, I can remember my life, and so I know who I am. Pretty interesting, right? And so, I love Jesus' words in Matthew 24. And these aren't AJ's words, this is the real Jesus. Matthew 24, and I want you to open up your Bibles, and I want you to, whether you highlight or you underline, I want you to remember these verses. Those who followed Jim Jones, David Koresh, these other false prophets, if they would have remembered Jesus' words, a lot of tragedy could have been prevented. Matthew 24, verse 23. It says, if anyone tells you then, see, here is the Messiah, or over here, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you in advance so that if they tell you, see, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or see, he's in the storm rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the carcass is, there will be vultures will gather. Jesus says his second coming will be obvious. You will know it is him when he returns. He will not come as we see as an Australian man who claims to be Jesus. He will not come as someone deceiving and out to kill, steal, and destroy. He will come to call the church back to him. His second coming will be as obvious as the lightning that comes from the east and west during a storm. It will be as obvious as a carcass is and as you see vultures flying around it knowing there's something dead over in the field Jesus second coming will be obvious don't be deceived brothers and sisters 
because the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well. Who is the Antichrist? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The most important question we can ask is, do we know the real Christ? And do we know if we have eternal life? Have, we placed your, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and the truth that it brings. And God, we know that your word is true because, Lord, you are true. God, we thank you that we can know that Jesus is the true Messiah. That we don't have to be deceived by the false teachers of this world. Lord, we know that there are many false teachers out today who are deceiving and spreading teachings of, that supposedly you gave them. But God, we know that you spoke through your word and your word is true. God, help us to stand firm in knowing that your gospel is the one true gospel. And as Paul said in Galatians, that if anyone was to preach another gospel, that they would be a curse. God, God, we pray for those who don't know Jesus as the Messiah. We pray for their salvation. God, we pray for this man, AJ. God, that he would repent and turn from his sin and trust in you. God, we pray for those who are watching. We pray for our family members who don't know Jesus. We pray for our friends, our co-workers who don't know Jesus. Father, that we would be bold enough and faithful enough to share the gospel with them. Because, God, we know that it's either heaven or hell. And, Father, may we strive to do everything that we can to tell people of who Jesus is and the need for a Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. For those of us that know Christ personally, we know how sweet it is to trust him. Let's sing a song about that very thing. 411, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. It's bad. so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know the saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I proved him more and o'er Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him as his blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust him, precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that he is with me, will be with me.
Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. We want to thank you for leading us today and bringing us the message you have and that we can take that into our world this week and share with others. Trust him. Anything from you guys? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today, for your blessings, for all the activities that we've had, for the lessons we've learned through Sunday school and through the sermons that's been preached. Lord, the word has been shared. I pray, Lord, that we take it further into our week and into our city than the shadow of our steeple and that we reflect you in such a way that we make you smile. Lord, thank you for your love, your son, and for all of our blessings that we do not deserve, but we know where they come from. We love you, we praise you, and we'll talk later in Christ's name. Amen.